Welcome to Voices of Experience radio show and podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Voices of Experience podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts. No promotional fees have been paid to anyone appearing on Voices of Experience. Now, on with the show. So welcome to Voices of Experience in this beautiful day, turned into one, and uh, great to have you both here. Um, Eric Crema, Eric Ryder, how are you gentlemen doing today? Looking outside, what a great day. It's so hard to be in a bad mood when you look out in this beautiful weather, Pacific Northwest. We don't have any of that extreme heat. We're not dealing with snow right now. This is great. How great. You know, I think about the weather we've had and the run we've had for six months now, and I'd be hard-pressed, and I can't say I haven't been to Pango Pango. They may have done better than us in weather, <laughs> but I'd be hard-pressed. Pango Pango. Look up the oh, weather yeah. in Pango Pango. <laughs> Where yeah. is Pango Pango? I don't know. Is that it's, next it's to Walla Walla? It's on the South Pacific, yeah. I believe. Yeah. It's somewhere oh like that. It's a suburb of Walla Walla. <laughs> yeah, probably or something. But I just what I was trying to say, I guess, is that you know, I don't know where it is, so it's possible they sure. had a better summer and fall than we've had. But I, American you know, Samoa, the world. yeah, oh, it is. Yes. Okay, there you go. So there was a pango pango. pango, pango. I, What's the weather like delusion. right now? Should we be there? Uh, I didn't look up the weather. Oh, okay. I just looked where it was. Well, I read so, Paul uh, a yeah. quick article today, and it was talking about. It was a national article: ten most beautiful locations in the U.S. you've never heard of. Now, of course, we have of the two that were in Washington. So out of the 10, though, across the entire U.S., two were in Washington. Any guesses? And this is what, best weather? Just what? know the prettiest places that you've never heard of. Like you just go to uh, your amazed. Leavenworth? No. Because you've heard of Leavenworth. Now, this would be on a nationwide basis. How about you, Eric? Any ideas? Most beautiful places that we've never heard of. In Washington State. Yeah. Um Deception Pass? That's a good guess. So is Leavenworth, both beautiful. No, it was Ho Rainforest, which oh, okay. we've heard of. Sure. What do you think if you're in New York, you know, or in Denver, you're not, you don't sure. know what it is, and you forget how beautiful that is. I mean, it is a really pretty place. Sure and then is. San Juan Islands. Well, right? now, people haven't heard of the San Juan Islands? Probably not, not though. Not you're in right. Large it's degree. not internationally, definitely. Yeah. When people come there, they're just blown away. But yeah, of course, San Juan Islands. It's nice to have two on the list. Sure. That's pretty that, good. That is pretty amazing. Good stuff. I like that stuff, as you know. Mm. Um, so, Eric, we're going to have you first up today after we do our Voices of History, and that has to do with artificial intelligence. This is a very fascinating subject, obviously. Very timely. Yeah. And accelerating. You know, it's it's something that maybe five years ago you're like, what's that all about? Right. And, but now, all of a sudden, the last 12 months, everybody's talking about it. Sure. So I thought it was important that we touched uh, with a, with an expert and find out a little bit more about it for myself and, and for the audience. So I'm going to speak with Nathan Mum. He's host of Tech Time Radio, a show that's also heard on Kixie 880 AM and KKNW. And uh, one cool thing about this show is beyond just being real good tech experts and having a great conversation about AI, they do whiskey reviews every week. Oh. Bring the whiskey in and drink it right in the studio and taste it. And... Can we do that live? <laughs> no, it's against the rules, isn't it? No, I, I don't think. I don't think so. Oh, I we'll figure something would out. Be but I thought it was like kind of neat. FCC they do whiskey reviews, so check out their that. website. Okay, thank you, Eric. We'll be back with that in just a few moments. 
we have another feature today, Stuart Elway. I've had him on the show many times. As you know, Stu uh, conducts polls, and he's been doing it for many, many years. He did one just a couple of weeks ago, and it has to do with what people's attitudes are, at least in the city of Seattle, about homelessness, mm. crime, safety, and that, some trends that uh, he's uncovered. And this is in the wake of the election that's coming up in just a Gosh, less than a month now or entering pretty quickly that we're going to be electing a new city council. And I think there's a major issue on the ballot um, about uh, providing more homeless for the low income people. And it's a major, major initiative. Hmm. So he touches on that as well. Voices of history today. Seattle Mariners. Too bad they are out of the playoff hunt. But something happened today. The biggest day, I believe, in franchise history since they've been around, happened today, or actually tomorrow, in 2001. So you can think about that. Timeless Classics, a song that became a big hit, but foretold troubled waters ahead. Even though this band had exceeded their expectations in terms of fortune and fame, they never dreamed they'd become this big, but they were very depressed. So this song kind of was written in the spirit of that moment. This will be on Kixie only, and uh, KKNW part of it, but the podcast, because of licensing, you can't hear it. I'll make that announcement later. Again, uh, today for self-employment, talk about solopreneur becoming one of those. If you are looking at doing this, I want to talk about some businesses that you may want to consider. And this is designed for people, anybody really, who wants to become an entrepreneur, but Mainly if, let's say, you are close to retirement or thinking about retirement, are retired, but you want to get up and off the couch and do something. Yeah. This is the what I'm going to be talking about a little bit today. That's a big theme right now. Continue doing something in your retirement. Stay active. Absolutely. No question. And there's so many opportunities out there right now. So let's see. What else? I think uh, we're about ready to jump into it. And uh, so let's go on with uh, Voices of History in just a moment. Welcome to today's Voices of History. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Safely on the ground, he had barely cut the engine when the crowd reached the plane. They shouted, Lindbergh, Lindbergh. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. Vice President Ford will be sworn in as president at that hour in this office. So, Eric, you've got to tell us what the weather is in Pango Pango. <laughs> 85 degrees and Ooh. sunny in Pango Pango right now. You see, I didn't bring out Pango Pango because it sounds like they have pretty good weather. They have great weather, and probably we have a few listeners there now. So, exactly. Hey. Well, you got to think about the fact that it's 85 degrees in uh, October, uh, so maybe the summers yeah. are unbearable. We don't know. I have to That's right. We'll <laughs> do further you. research. If you're listening yeah, we'll... from Pango Pango. <laughs> Pango, you... Pango. Pango Pango. Pango Pango. I was saying it wrong. Please uh, let us know. Email us. Right. I'm sure we've got many listeners down there. I'm sure they're oh. They're... The board's lighting up now, isn't it? Yeah, we'll probably get a call. It's pronounced Pago Pago, yeah, you yeah. fools. Yeah. yeah. They might be right. <laughs> wow. We should all take a trip to Pango Pango now. <laughs> On October 3rd, 1995, O.J. Simpson is acquitted of a double murder 
of his former wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and her friend, Ron Goldman. Simpson's dream team lawyers used controversial methods to get him off. But a single glove was found at the crime scene, and the preliminary DNA test did find that the blood found on the glove was shown to have uh, O.J. Simpson's and the two victims. So that happened about 28 years ago now, which I find incredible. Is there anything that one of you would like to add to it? I really don't have anything to add other than I was so shocked when he was accused. And I thought there was no way they got it wrong. And when he was arrested, I was driving over the Aurora Bridge, just getting over on the other side. I had to pull off. I was so shocked. Mm. Anyhow, that's about all because uh, we know the story well. And I don't know if there's anything to add on it now. Just I, I just remember the car chase uh, at the arrest um, because uh, it was in radio at the time and we had the televisions going and uh, kind of like the whole staff was paying attention to it. And it's the first car chase on television that was live that I kind of remember. I don't know. Yeah, slow motion. Slow motion. Yeah, it was a, a very slow car chase. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's yep, that's all you can say. I wonder, and I thought about this just before I came in, I wonder if he will make a confession on his deathbed or something at some point. Oh, no. Yeah. Don't know. Oh, well, we'll move on to the next subject. Uh, October 3rd, 2011, a decision was made. Another story about the uh, crime uh, system or whatever was going on. International headlines of an Italian appeals court overturned the murder conviction of Amanda Knox. And uh, remember that two years earlier, she had been found guilty of a 2007 murder of her British roommate, Meredith Karcher in Palusia, Italy, and she received a 26-year prison sentence. Of course, that's kind of a local spin. She's from mm-hmm. around here, lived in West Seattle, grew up in West Seattle. And uh, we had Mike Heavey on last week, and he was very helpful in getting that uh, sentence turned around. Any comments on that? I don't know. What, uh, I remember it. I have to say. It was definitely a sensational trial. Yeah. But the thing is, too, she was a fixture every day, for the wrong reasons. Yes. You know, in our dialogue, it was such a big sensational story and then disappeared. Yeah. There has to be a book out there somewhere that talks about what makes news news. You, because there's certain stories like that that suddenly take over everything. Yeah. For a week, a two-week period, whatever, until we move on to the next thing. But, boy, right. you can't avoid it while it's happening. Right. So on October 5th, this is the one I talked about, the teaser at the beginning, 2001. The Seattle Mariners became the winningest team in American League history when they defeated the Texas Rangers 6-2. The 116-win season breaks the 1998 New York Yankees record that finished uh, at 114 wins. Yankee manager Joe Torre at the time said to the Washington Post, quote, it would be easier to hit 80 home runs than to break the Yankees' 114-game record. Well, three years later, the Seattle Mariners did, so Joe Torre was a much better manager than he was a prognosticator, <laughs> for sure, on that one. <laughs> 36 months later, it happened, and no one's hit 80 home runs. Unfortunately, we just missed out this year. On right. Yeah. I went to the game that they got knocked out on mm-hmm. Saturday night, uh, but it was a nice crowd, but um, Castillo wasn't up. Who was best? But then, on the other hand, Mariners had to score some runs, so they lost. I think six to one. Yep. So they weren't scoring runs anyhow. Then the next day, they were, they won one to nothing. You know. Yeah. So I think their offense kind of and it's left a team them. effort. Yes, yeah. no question. 
Um, let's see. On October 6, 1961, President Kennedy advises American families to build bomb shelters to protect them from the atomic fallout in case of a nuclear exchange with the Soviet Union. Well, a year later, kind of became a concern into something that was a huge concern with the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis that followed on those words. I lived in New York at that time in 1961, and I was very young, like five, six years old. But I do remember visiting a, uh, a shelter, a, a okay. bomb shelter, where I just vaguely remember there was like a periscope. You look down into the family living there. And I'm sure this was a company that was trying to sell bomb shelters. But a lot of people, I don't say a lot, we didn't. And, mm-hmm. But I didn't see them going up in the neighbor's yard at all. But apparently a lot of bomb shelters were, were built at that time. Have you seen that, uh, I believe it's a Twilight Zone episode, where that guy is in his bomb shelter and it's a false, you know, that the, the war has happened. Oh, okay. His neighbors are trying to get in. And, and the very night before they're having this nice dinner party, everybody's friends. They're trying to demonstrating in the time of crisis how that, those civility falls apart. Interesting. I don't remember that episode. one. I thought I went, oh, but no, I, Check I, was, it out. I was thinking it's of something one. else. All right, I will do that. Neighbors turn on neighbors. Is that what it's called? No, but oh, I can. Okay. Uh, I, I'll bet, I bet our, our crack team here can figure it out. Yeah, he's on it now. Pango, pango. <laughs> you got you. that in two seconds. We'll figure That's it out. nothing for Eric. He'll be on it. All right, on historylink.org, that's kind of the local. Uh, what we have in the state of Washington, historical events. From September 30th to October 2nd, 1885, the first Kittitas County Fair was held in Ellensburg. So the rodeo that's uh, going for years, that was before we were even a state. That's amazing. I never knew that. Wow. 1885. See? You learn stuff. Always learn something on this show. (laughs) Season 3, episode 3 of The Twilight Zone called The Shelter. The shelter. There yes. you go. Thank you, Eric. You probably YouTube it. Check the it out. Shelter. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the, all those Twilight Zones are either on Hulu or on Paramount uh, okay. Plus or both. So. Factual news? No, but I, I did a, a watch through uh, of sure. all the Twilight Zones uh, a couple years ago. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, wow. it's the best thing to do in the winter up. time. Yeah, I love Just it. ask you quickly. Um, Perfect what did for you the think? spooky season. What did, what did you kind of think about it? Was, is it dated or was it really good? Or, or what, what, what's your impression? Some of it's pretty dated, but um, overall, I think all the themes that they address really still hold up. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Rod Serling. Interesting guy. On October 1st, 1909, President Taft visited the Alaska-Yukon Pacific Exposition in Seattle. So that was the actual first World's Fair in Seattle. The next one was 1962. On October 3, 1979, the Dalai Lama paid his first visit to Seattle as a guest of Seattle University and the president, Father William Sullivan. Nice. So there you go. That's uh, Voices of History for today. Good one. You have been listening to Voices of History. If you have historical events that you would like to share, call the Voices of Experience hotline at 425-653-1166. That's 425-653-1166.
I am really happy to have in studio with me Nathan Mum. He, along with a couple of his cohorts, uh, are on Tech Time Radio, both on Kix and KKNW. It's a fun show. If you haven't heard it, check it out. Welcome to the studio, Nathan. Oh, glad to be on your show. Really appreciate it. This is a subject that I've been wanting to talk about, but before we get into it, talk about your show briefly. Okay, yeah. So uh, Tech Time Radio, we broadcast both on Kixie 880 AM and KKNW 1150 Mm -hmm. AM. Our primary show is Tuesdays from 3 to 4 PM, and then we do a rebroadcast in the morning on Thursdays from 6 to 7, and it's about technology for the everyday person. So my co-host, Mike Roday, is a psychologist, so he doesn't even know tons about technology, but he helps keep it real for everybody that's listening to talk about technology once a week. And I said cohort because you have fun on the show. Well, we do have fun on the show. <laughs> yeah, we drink a little whiskey, we talk about technology, and then people, when they first talked about it, said, are you going to be able to have enough time to fill in an hour? And let me just tell you, we uh, we could fill like five hours in just a week of technology news. Yeah, we're going to talk today about AI, and I know I'm going to have to have you back because this is a huge subject, but okay. let's get into it real quick here. What exactly is AI? Well, there's a lot of different terms out there. So, again, it's artificial intelligence. So AI has kind of been around since the beginning of computers and electronics. It's coming up with a systematic way to use an algorithm or a mathematical computation to give you the best possibilities based upon that information that they have. But it continues to evolve, and it's more user-friendly. Back in the 80s and 90s, it was pretty much a big mainframe computer that you'd have to put in to get your statistical information back on what you should do, A or B. Okay. Now we have it down to as simple as chatbots that Google has, a, a one that's out there called BARD. Uh, Microsoft has a Bing chat selection that you can just use on their website that uses ChatGPT. So AI is really kind of moving into the forefront now of a consumer-based product to help consumers use the same logic that large companies had uh, previous 10 and 15 years before. It seems to me that it's been in the news big time the last 12 months. It seems like it's accelerated. It really has. Okay. Why is that, do you think? Well, really, because um, probably a company... Uh, called OpenAI, really has made leaps and bounds of providing this for the everyday person and consumer to use. And they're the ones that have ChatGPT, which is kind of Mm -hmm. the name brand out there, kind of like Oreo cookies, you know, the name brand, or Kleenex. They're kind of the name brand that's in that area. And they just made it so simple, and they allow developers and other people to take their core logic engine and develop their own apps, their old add-ins, their own items that can make their products better using that logic base. You know, I'm starting to see it a little bit in sales where you can use chat, as you said, go in there and type something and it'll modify it. Or you can just say, write an email to Nathan Mum about technology. And it it would come along and do the majority. Now you have to read it. You do, because it's not always (laughs) accurate. And so we just had on today's uh, episode, we had a chat, but chat with Phil Hennessy. He talks about that. And essentially, people are now using this to apply for jobs. So before, when you have a resume and you would apply for a job, you'd have to get through that computer system to get in your resume to hopefully mm-hmm. be looked at after the computer system. People are now taking their resumes, taking the job description for what they're looking for. They're asking ChatGPT to take this information, as, which is your resume, you cut and paste it in there. This is the job description, and write me a proposal wow. that specifically gets through the computer system, and it will actually work to get through that so that you can get a job interview. Sounds like there might be an application for students as well. <laughs> there, 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 there are, and there's actually applications now. Most universities, high schools, colleges 
are actually developing anti-AI technology mm. to go out there and to search against the AI so that uh, for a term paper, I, I can't just go home and say, right. write a term paper about George Washington in an expressive voice with a lot of excitement. I can't just cut and paste that onto my, <laughs> my notes anymore and turn that in. But that was happening about a year ago. That was a pretty popular deal that was happening. What do you think AI will do to our daily lives? Just the average person like myself going throughout my day, say five years from now. Oh boy, five years. So, I, so it's really changed in the last year pretty pretty aggressively. It's taken probably 10 years to move uh, what the needle has done within just the last year on the AI. So okay. five years from now, who knows? Uh, I, I think you're going to probably be getting into your, your vehicle. And this is something that's interesting to talk about. Getting into your vehicle, you probably don't have to start your car anymore. It's going to know that you're sitting on down. It'll probably give you a news report, probably give you the information. And probably with the AI-assisted driving, which is really being worked on, it, you know, it could even take you to work with you. You have to put your hands on the steering wheel or your foot on the pedal. Gotcha. Okay. So there are some practical applications that are going to potentially make our lives easier. I would I would expect so, yes. Okay. What about the flip side of that coin, dangers? Well, <laughs> have you bought in a car in the last two years? Let me ask you that. You know, I have. Yeah. You have. Okay. So when you bought your car, and Missoula did a great report. It's called Privacy Nightmare on Wheels. Every car brand reviewed by Missoula over the last two years. If you have a car from 2020 forward... When you purchased it, you probably signed a document that was a user agreement to allow you to buy that vehicle itself. Okay. What that did is that gave the car company the ability to listen into you at any time, ability to track what you're doing, your mileage, where you're going, what you're doing, and then resell all of that information on a third-party market specifically about oh you. Goodness. And you probably had no clue that you signed that when you signed your user agreement. No, no, not really watch what I say in the car. You got to be oh. careful. Toyota <laughs> even tracks uh, sexual activity that happens in your car and will actually report that back as a part of additional items above and beyond what you would just think would be reported and actually tracks that per car and per user so they can then sell that on the third party market on the uh, on the open market. So is this why a lot of government agencies and individuals are really wringing their hands about the subject? How do we control it? You know what it is, and it's really funny because when you think of AI, uh, everybody goes to the, your Alexa device at home or your Siri device and say, wow, that must be listening in on me and causing it. It's really funny because those are actually the most regulated items that are out there. So if you have a tablet or if you have a device at home, that actually has laws in place. But if you have new vehicles, there's no automotive legislation in place to to do your own personal information as being privacy. As a matter of fact, I tried to buy a car and they wouldn't even sell it to me unless I signed that privacy agreement. So I think what's happening here is there's not legislation and safeguards in place except for on a couple items. And I think it's going to be a wild west for the next two or three years with information getting out there all over, whether it's private, not private. That's amazing. Really fascinating information. I knew this was going to be not enough time. So if you don't mind, I'd love to have you come back sure. some future date. But in the meantime, I'd like to invite our listeners to listen to your program, maybe give out some days and times. Yeah, again, you can listen to us again on Tuesdays from 3 to 4 p.m. on Kixie 880 a.m. You can go to com, which is our website. You can subscribe to our podcast service and you can get our updated episodes once a week. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube if you want to see some of the funny stuff. You can go to KKNW and Kixie's website, watch the YouTube feeds that are unfiltered, and you'll see sometimes during the commercials my co-host and I goofing off a little bit. So that's kind of an interesting thing to do. But uh, you can also listen to me on a rebroadcast on KKNW 1150 
Thursday mornings from 6 to 7 a.m. Great. Congratulations on your past success, many more, and much more, I should say, in the future. Great. Thank you so much. And welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I, I found it really fascinating. I hope to have Nathan and his team back to talk about um, more technology issues as we go forward. Um, the only thing I kind of think of is, you know, it's happening. It's just going to happen, whether you like it or not. And, and then how do you adjust? How do you, how to, how's it going to help me? What is it going to do for me? What are going to be some of the challenges? I kind of think back to the whole barcode situation, how weird that was to go from a price tag on something to, nope, you just scan it. I always thought that was strange, but it makes sense now looking back. Um, if you have any questions or concerns about this, maybe let us know. Uh, what's that phone number, Paul? 425-653-1166-425-653-1166. Good idea, Eric. Have them call in and see if uh, they want us to pursue this more. Yeah. If you have any questions about uh, what's going on here. And we have coming up right now, Neil Petersons with his Meandering Musings. A bad day. Or more accurately, a bad four hours. As you may know, I'm a glass half full type of guy. My outlook on life on any given day is usually very positive. But even I have to admit that I had a bad four hours today. It started by driving to the dentist. Who wants to go to the dentist? Particularly if you know that you're going to be in the chair for a good two hours. When I arrived and sat down in my chair, I knew I was in for some agonizing time when I was asked if I wanted one or two ibuprofen. For the record, I only took one. Two hours later, as I wobble out of my dentist chair, I get instructions on what I can eat over the next 24 hours. Then I rush to my car to dial in by phone to a Microsoft Teams meeting that I'm supposed to be attending. I call the number on the meeting invitation. But I hear the phone say to me, you entered an invalid meeting number. Egad. How is that possible when the phone number to call and the meeting number are already pre-programmed in the invitation to the meeting? All I have to do supposedly is wait for all the automatically dialed numbers to process. Well, not this time. So in frustration, I write down with pen and paper the nine-digit meeting number so I can manually enter it the next time I try to get into the meeting. Voila, it works. I finally get into the meeting, or hold it, I'm not in the meeting yet. I'm in the waiting room. A notice pops up on my screen that I will be admitted shortly. Guess what? I wait and wait and wait. Then I email the meeting notice sender that I'm waiting. Then I email some other individuals whom I know are in the meeting, telling them that I'm waiting to be admitted. I wait and wait and wait. No dice. No one responds. I never get admitted into the meeting. Holy cow. In the next few minutes, I arrive back at my parking spot near my home. It has not been a good day so far, I say to myself. My mind must have been elsewhere because the next thing I realize is that I've just locked my car with the keys to the car and my home inside the car. Can you believe it? I must have been distracted. Oh, my gosh. What could happen next, I say to myself. 
as I'm pondering what my next move should be. Standing on the curb, I get stung on my forehead by a bee. Yes, sirree. I'm not making this up. This all happened to me during a four-hour period today. So let's review the bidding. Two hours in a dental chair. Inability to get into and join a Microsoft Teams meeting. Locking the keys to my car and my home in the car. Getting stung by a bee in the forehead. Not a good four hours. But hey, I have the remainder of the day to look forward to. It has to get better. So uh, that's uh, Neil Peterson again. And uh, wow, he did have a bad day. But it was actually a bad four hours. So uh, his day obviously got better after that. By the way, uh, if you want to hear more about his uh, podcast coming up, Eric, that's going to start what looks like a launch date about, what, November or something like that? Or yeah, so has that been it's actually uploaded out? now. Okay. If you go to the KKNW website, you can you can start to listen to them. That's 1150kknw.com. Do the podcast drop down. It's listed there alphabetically. And then they'll start to drop, meaning new ones uploaded, on the 13th of this month. So every Friday there will be a new one. So you should subscribe. What do you think? What do you yeah, think? definitely go to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe now because uh, the first three episodes are up and they're a lot of fun. Yeah, they are. And so he's got a bunch of them. And if you want to actually go to his website that he's been publishing now for over seven years and hear about a lot of these trips that he's been on and just a lot of insights that he's had, you can go to neilstrips.com, neilstrips.com. And you can get all of this information. I want to play a quick uh, comment that was made on Neil's uh, podcast last week or appearance on this show. He talked about postcards. So why don't we hear what a caller had to say? Hi, Voices of Experience. This is Bob, and I'm just calling in with my postcard story after uh, hearing Neil's comments on postcards last Wednesday, which I found a little bit funny. After a high school reunion a couple weeks ago, I went back to my friend's house, and it was about 1 o'clock in the morning. We were standing around his kitchen, and he's just got I don't know how many photos on his refrigerator, a lot. I see a little castle underneath a lot of the photos. Knowing that I've been to Ireland and seen this castle, I dig it out, and I go, Neil, why do you have a photo of King John's castle? And he didn't know what to say at first, and I turned it over, and it was a postcard that I had sent him from Ireland in 2007. So that's my story. I thought you'd get a kick out of that. And one last thing, get some photos printed. If I just wouldn't listen to that in a text, I probably uh, wouldn't have seen that again, nor would have he. Thanks, Voices of Experience. Pretty amazing, huh? Yeah. When you think about it, 16 years later, here it is. By the way, he's my brother. Okay. Full disclosure. Anyhow, he told me about it. I said, well, call in and, and let us know. That's an interesting you know, story. Because, yeah, he's going in, you know, the kitchen of a friend of his. You know, all this clutter on the refrigerator and whatever. And he sees this picture. And literally, he thought, wow, this is cool. I was here, you know. And what it was his postcard. Nice. 13 <laughs> years before. So it meant a lot. Yes. It meant a lot to his friend. I guess it did. So we'll be back with uh, Solopreneur and Entrepreneurism in just a second.
right, so we're back, and we're going to be talking about going into business for yourself. By the way, I think uh, if you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, I've written a couple of books on going into business for yourself, and they were both called Is Self-Employment for You? One was written in 2004 and the other in 2018. I rewrote the book because what we were talking about today with AI, you can't really go ahead and have conversations anymore about what's going on in the world without that being a part of it. Just like I wrote the book in 2004, you know, the um, Apple Watch or iPhone didn't exist. Right. So if you read the book in 2004, it's like I might have well written it in 1950. So... I don't think it's at that point now, no. 2018. However, it's got to be updated, you know, in certain things. But I've read through it, and it's still pretty contemporary. But again, that's exactly why I did it. And uh, But the rules haven't changed, I think, going into small business for yourself. And uh, that's why I wrote the book and really wanted to have people, I guess, you get into something and you make mistakes. I write about those, the ones I made in the beginning, my assumptions, but also the things I did well. And I guess overall, I've been in business for 35 plus years, so I had to do something right. So again, I try to call those out. And uh, then again, I'm very generous in saying where I did not do things quite well. But there's one thing I've kind of learned over the years is that if you're going to start a business, and I talked about it last week, so I'm not going to make a big uh, talk about this much at all. And that is, I think, one of the worst pieces of advice is follow your passion and the money will follow. That is not true. And the detriment of many people who go into that think it's about them. No, it's about your customers. Is there a base for your customers to make money? And really, your passion should be to become an entrepreneur. And to be successful as that, or the definition now, which didn't exist, but I think it really describes what I did called solopreneur. I mean, what I mean is that you run your business by yourself in the sense that you're the one in charge, the CEO. Doesn't mean that you don't have a lot of other people help you out, because I certainly do. I can't do this radio show without you guys here. So you're not an island. However, you can structure your business where you can keep your overhead low. So I'm not going to go into great detail there, but I think that's the definition of a solopreneur, the way I understand it. That did, term did not exist when I started my business, and I didn't even hear that term until maybe about, um, gosh, five years ago. But then I learned that's kind of what I was doing. So what I talk about are things that will get you to the first three or five years. If you want to expand, you want to grow, you want to hire staff, you want to do all that, don't come to me because I never did it. And I say voices of experience, I'm not experienced in that area. So I really would refer you to someone else and find someone who took that path. Obviously, a lot of people have done that and have been very, very successful. This is just one way you can do it. So having got around to that, I wanted to submit that, let's say you are retired, um, you're nearing retirement, and you're just looking for something else to do rather than playing golf five days a week, but you really want to get in and do something. Well, I think that's possible. And the fastest growing number of people who are starting businesses are older adults, 55 plus. So you're in the realm there. You're not too old. 
because there's so much technology out there. The world has changed so much, even in the last five, eight years. Uh, COVID really helped change a lot of things, but that's a whole nother story. But you can do it. And uh, I go through pretty much what I talk about a lot of times, and that's like you find a niche and solve a problem. That's two things that you should always be searching for is finding a niche or a niche within a niche. What would be a niche? Something like accounting. I know it's not sexy, but mm-hmm. let's say you work your entire life as an accountant or a bookkeeper or something along those lines. Why can't you start your own business now doing that? Uh, you certainly can. And there's so much technology here now with Zoom and everything else. You can cover the country. You can cover almost anywhere. But looking at, you, you can do that. Let's say you were in teaching. Why can't you become a teacher again and do it, you know, and you can charge a certain amount of money. Tutoring or something like that. Tutoring. That's another area. So there are so many things that you can do. I advise that um, you keep your overhead low as much as possible in the beginning. Don't go out and try to get a big office. I don't think that's the issue it was before. So that makes me sound a little dated because mm-hmm. a lot of people are comfortable now or after COVID working at home. I worked at home for 30 years. Not saying I didn't go to um, offices and come here and do radio shows and got out a lot, went to a lot of meetings elsewhere because it can be isolating when you do that. So I strongly recommend that if you do take that path, you join organizations that get you out and seeing people as much as much as possible because that is really critical. Eric, do you have anything you'd like to add? Well, to no, that? I just wrote all this down, though. Find a niche, solve a problem, keep overhead low. This is really sage advice, particularly as you enter retirement. A lot of people, you know, you're now essentially on a fixed income, you know, and your your full-time career may be over. But here's an opportunity to do something that even though, you know, you take your skill, but then find that area that you want to do. You had mentioned teacher. Maybe it's a situation where you've always wanted to tutor inner-city kids. Or, or kids with special needs or something like that, well, then you can now build a business around that. I know a very successful uh, couple that they've built a business against speech therapy, a huge thing. And they have done quite well for themselves, and it, and it dovetails nicely into both of their skill set. Now, they probably didn't wake up and think to themselves one day, let's just solve the problem of difficulty in speaking in children. No, it came to them through a career, and then a metamorphosis, if you will. Great. See, that's exactly what I think the most successful people have. Let's say I read an example years ago, or actually talked to someone, and she was, I think, from Burien or somewhere south of there, and she was looking for a business, and she was actually going to get postcards, not postcards, business cards, Mm -hmm. postcards on the head. (laughs) Thank you, Neil. Business cards printed up, and she went around town looking for it at the time when you had you know, printing shops and things like that. We still do, of course, but you can do a lot, you know, by not going to a print shop. I just got my business cards printed up and I didn't leave my computer. Right. Marty did it for me. <laughs> but anyhow, the point's made is that, you know, when you do something like that, she couldn't find a print shop in town where she was at. It was south of there. What she do? She opened up a print shop. There was obviously a need for it because mm-hmm. she couldn't find one. And, uh, you know, she's solving someone's problem like they did for her. So that's the type of thinking that you just generated there that you can find all day when something that you need and you can't find it, 
there's an idea there. There's a concept. That's Good what I'm point. Saying. Keep your eyes and ears open at all times. Before we get off this topic, just want to let you know that uh, the book I was talking about, The Self-Employment for You, the second book, not the first, I will give you a free copy of that if you uh, would call in. We're going to give this every week to uh, Kixie listeners, KKNW, you're in too. But um, call 425-653-1166, and you will get a complimentary copy of the book. It's for the first caller who calls in. Please leave your name, your phone number, and your address. We won't share it with anybody, but the first one to call in, 425-653-1166, will get a complimentary copy of this book. Anything else before we transition on to um, the next segment on the show? One more time, 425-653-1166. All right, we're going to come back with an interview I had with Stuart Elway of the Elway Poll, actually the Crosscut Elway Poll. And uh, I just asked him about, uh, he had just completed one, and I just wanted to ask him about what are the people of Seattle thinking about the issues, homelessness, crime, and all the above. And uh, he is here to give us the latest results. Voters favor permanent housing and mental health services. Okay, I understand that. But what I don't understand is they don't favor removing the tents out of public spaces and moving them into temporary shelters. What I'm understanding from your poll is that a high percentage of people think it's okay to continue to living on the sidewalks, under the bridges, as opposed to moving them into temporary shelters. I don't get that. The question was, which should have a higher priority? It's not an either-or. What they're saying, 55 to 41, and then they they, they have a choice between those two. So a majority say the higher priority should go to developing permanent housing. Yeah, I'm not suggesting it's black and white. And I think we all favor permanent housing, but we also know living with this situation for all the years we have been, it's that permanent housing, it's going to take five to 10 years or whatever to do that. I think we've all kind of hit the wall on that going, all right, we understand that we all favor that. And we also favor mental health services. But I did see something where I felt it fell off a bit where, okay, short of that, there was a favorability of not removing the tents out of public spaces and moving them into temporary shelters. It seemed to me that more people were against the temporary shelters than having them live on the sidewalks. Did I read that wrong? It doesn't say a choice between moving them and letting them live on the sidewalks. That's not the choice people were given. Okay. So... So it's a little more nuanced than that. I think people want both, but I wanted to do a trade-off. I wanted to say what should be the more the higher priority. Um, yeah, I, but I guess I don't understand why. And this, you're a pollster. You're just taking the information, okay? And maybe I'm doing a little bit different tact here. But the sense is, is that I get frustrated. And, you know, nobody doesn't talk about this. If you have somebody over for dinner, or you go out with someone, whatever, this subject always comes up, homelessness. We know it, and it's been going on forever, and everybody has a solution. But the thing is, I still don't understand why 1% of the people, anybody, would think that it's 
a good thing or there should be a choice of living on the sidewalks under the bridge. This is preferable way to live. I think it's a horrible way that people have to live. And I, you know, it makes me really squeamish every time I see it. But there's still people who say, no, they should have those rights to be on these public spaces. And I think I'm kind of over the top on this now. There are such people, but that is not what showed up in our poll. Okay. That question. All right. Fair enough. One thing you did say, Seattle voters want to see a new direction. That was kind of the headline. And 85% said they were interested in some kind of change. 44% will be voting to make a significant change in the council's direction. And 41% want to modify it. But uh, most also preferred a centrist candidate in their district. So there's a lot of uh, information there as well. Well, they preferred a progressive candidate. They want to change, but they want a progressive candidate. Interesting. Again, it's kind of schizoid. We're kind of at this point now where people are still kind of undecided about how they want to solve this problem. And we're always complaining on the city council, and we're not giving them clear direction, I guess. We have large majorities for hiring more police officers, creating a new department for non-police emergency response, a support for funding of substance abuse treatment for people in public housing, and for making drug use a gross misdemeanor and, and arresting and prosecuting people. And the fact that they're intractable and they're not resolved in any city in the country, people have conflicting um, views about how to address them. Yeah, and I know it's a complicated situation. I'm not trying to say it's simple because it's not. And you're right. It's not just Seattle. It's every city across this country is dealing with it. But I think maybe that's what I felt this morning. I maybe hadn't thought about it like I should have before. But that's part of the major problem here. And again, I'm not for, you know, throwing them all in jail and doing this stuff. It's a terrible situation. And I feel that the number one reason that I've heard, it's not so much they're terrible people whatsoever. They've been priced out of homes. I mean, that's just the way it is. But we continue to just go down this road. And I'm just submitting that the conflict from the people aren't allowing this problem to get fixed. Again, I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but it's a major part of the problem. It is a part of the problem. There's no single clear direction that everybody wants to go. They support taxes on business to do it. They support taxes on high-income residents. They're going to vote for the housing levy. You know, for whatever it's worth, Stu, I went down to uh, First Avenue in Pine several days ago, got my recorder out, and just walked around and talked to some small retailers, businesses, and just kind of walked in, and some were, like, saying, yes, there's shoplifting going on. The police aren't doing anything about it. But I was really surprised, and again, this is not a Stu Elway poll and the research you go into and figure out who you're talking to. I'm on First and Pine. I'm not up in Third Avenue and and Pine, but I'm in an area. But I was really surprised. There was one uh, retailer who said to me, she's been in this spot for 32 years. She's had her best year she's ever had this year. And this is not the story that I thought I would hear. There were other vendors there saying, oh, we're down here. Yeah, there's problems here. But, you know, we've got a great uh, Pike Place Market Authority. If there's problems we have, we call. They come up and they get the situation under control. We're very happy here. We're doing very well. And these are businesses that have been there for 9, 10, 15 years. That is interesting. I was very pleased to how things were actually looking. I, I walked away much more positive. Dan, I haven't been down there, but I've seen and heard 
reports like that. Yeah, no, it was really gratifying. I would suggest to anybody who has this stereotype, which I have, I only live in West Seattle, but I haven't been down there in two and a half years. But I went down and, you know, I've driven by it or whatever. But get out of my car and go down. The market looked good. It was a nice day. There were still a lot of people from out of town. Felt a lot better about what's going on in the city than I did, let's say, a year ago when I, as I said, drove through it. Well, we are almost out of time again. Yeah. You know what I was thinking, though, about in that during that conversation beyond the great content there was we had mentioned Miranda, Meandering Musings podcast. We need to remind people they can listen to this show, and our podcast numbers are really growing. So wherever you get your favorite podcast, Voices of Experience, download, subscribe. Please, and tell your friends. They need to do that, don't they? Oh, without a doubt. That's the hole in their life right now. Because you know what? Really, this is the best show in the history of radio. I've talked about that. At least I think so. We're all in And agreement. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm objective. Okay. <laughs> Anyhow, and we, will, when we uh, get that award, it's going to be featured in a future edition of Voices of History. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Just get it there now. Why not? Legend in his own mind. Okay, so here we go. We are done for today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Out there, again, if you'd like to get a copy of our uh, book, Is Self-Employment for You, please call 425-653-1166. 425-653-1166. And again, anything you heard about today you'd like to make a comment on, you can call that same number, 425-653-1166. Voices of Experience airs on Kixie Wednesday afternoons at 3 p.m. You probably know that if you're listening. And it's simulcast with Hubbard sister station KKNW 1150 AM. And VO, excuse me, Voices of Experience's rebroadcast on Kixie only on Sundays at 11 a.m. Thanks to Eric Crema, Neil Peterson, Eric Ryder, and of course, Benny Mathers, who helps put a lot together as well. Quote of the week, judgments in history seldom coincide with the tempers of the moment. Adley E. Stevenson. Cool cat. Historically, he should have been president, but mm. it's too bad. Long time ago, but still, he was a wonderful man. This week's Timeless Classic is coming up next. Kixie will get the entire version, KKNW, the beginning, about 30 seconds into it. And on the, podca- on the podcast, you're out of luck, but that's all has to do with licensing, licensing agreements. Have a great week, everybody. Till next week. This week's Timeless Classic was written by a very popular rock band. The lyrics were written by a member of the band who captured the rising tension and imminent departure of one of their members. He reflected in the song about the fact that they were on top of the charts and had surpassed all their wildest expectations of fame and fortune. But somehow, they were all depressed and unhappy. The song eventually rose to number one in the U.S., and it was a group's eighth gold-selling single. On March of 2023, the song surpassed 1 billion streams on Spotify. From 1971, John Fogarty and Creedence Clearwater Revival, Have You Ever Seen the Rain?